Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings is underway. Head over to our Warehouse Games channel to see all the action from Ball and Play. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Welcome, welcome to episode number 37 of Bleeding Blue. And we are here to remind you that we are officially in the month of February and the Yankees will be playing baseball this month. No way. I don't believe it. Yes. It's actually happening. It's actually happening. But today, let's stay calm because we're still technically in the offseason mode. And today, for this week, Bleeding Blue, the regular Bleeding Blue crew is here. And we're here to talk about some lineups, defensive alignment. Unfortunately, some Machado rumors and news, and maybe even some Harper news, some proposed rule changes, Pecota predictions, and most importantly, Zach Britton has changed the spelling of his name. So, without further ado, let's bleed. Blue, 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 blue. <laughs> <laughs> That was great, Brett. That was great. Was my clapping good, Justin? Oh, your clapping was fantastic. That that yeah. was a that was a, a team effort on the intro right there. <laughs> good, 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 good. Team effort on the intro. So, like I said, the bleeding blue crew. We are all here. The Yankees crew. That is, we are here, and it's actually strange. We're in the month of February, and we can actually talk some concrete baseball and not just rumors. We don't have to tell fun stories, even though that was really fun. Go back to episode number 35 of Bleeding Blue and listen to some fun Yankee stories that we told. So that was really fun, and we really enjoyed that. That's a timeless episode. doesn't matter when you listen to that. Renato, you had quite the day today, so I want to check in with you to see how you're doing and how you're feeling entering into this podcast. So if you guys have listened already to the New York Hockey Dawn of the Day podcast, shout out to that. So like, subscribe, all that good stuff. I went to the Dells game today. I got free, thanks to my my ticket rep, Jessica, free club seats, six rows from the ice. So free food, free drinks, six rows from the ice. But unfortunately, Dells lost. But I mean, with free food, free drink. And six rows from the ice seating for free, six hundred dollar value. And I also got one of the Devils legends autograph, Bruce Dryther. So I, I had a fantastic day, Justin. It was great. Okay, so you went to the Devils game. They unfortunately lost. You got some club seat suites, whatever access. No, no sweet club seating, no sweet nonsense. Justin J. Pennick, how are you today, sir? Justin J. Pennick. Okay. Um, which what's your middle name, by the way? My middle name is Kyle. So Justin K. Penick. <laughs> I know, but uh, Justin knows why I always use J. Oh, boy. J. Penick 74 on Twitter. Um, exactly. My day was pretty good. I went to Texas Roadhouse for dinner, and I had Roadhouse. like ro- Roadhouse um, in your smooth, silky voice there, Brett. So I had a lot of food. Um, I'm tired, even though it's Saturday. So preface this again. If there's we release Yankee episodes on Monday, we release Giants episodes on Wednesday. So if there's any news that happens while after we record, we're sorry. And if there's any kind of emergency podcast we need to do, we'll do some emergency podcasts. But I'm doing really well. I had a good day. I had a good Saturday. Brett, how was your day? It was great. Flyers won. Woo! Let's go. And Cornell won. And Conrad. Yeah, Flyers won again. Ten straight games with a point. They've won nine out of ten. Uh, they lost in a shootout the last game, but they, they, they crushed the Ducks. They, they crushed the Ducks today, and they are pushing to try to be relevant again. Playoffs. I, I think they've become somewhat relevant now. So I'm I'm in good spirits because of that. Are we talking the playoffs? I'm not talking playoffs. What's that? I'm just I'm just I, I'm just trying to win games. He's just trying enjoying to enjoy life. 
You try to enjoy life, drink a nice cold beer in terms of the Flyers winning. Toast to Philadelphia, baby. Toast. Toast. Indeed. Ew. Toast to Philadelphia. Enjoy the moment, though, Brett. <laughs> so what we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to enjoy the moment and looking forward. Enjoy the moment looking forward. Doesn't that make sense? That's a that's a double negative. Um, enjoy the moment by looking forward to Yankees baseball. That's just so a contradiction. That's, a con- <laughs> that's not a double negative. I guess, I guess it's a contradiction. So <laughs> let's start off with the biggest piece of news that we had this week. Zach Britton has officially changed the spelling of his first name. No. Yes. Ronaldo. That's the biggest news of the week. I I can't believe it. Uh, it's it's the most important in my mind. What did he change it to? He changed it to a S S Z A C K. What? Instead of my stage name, as he put it, Z A C H. I like Z A C H better. Well, I'm sorry. He changed it. <laughs> this is this is the reason why I like this move here by Zach Britton. Well, you like the move? It. I like the move. Zach with a K is way more gratifying than with an H. I mean, it should be Zach or something. It's a CH. <laughs> a CH makes a ch sound. CK, there's no there's no doubt there. Zach Britton is a more confident man than he has ever been right now. I guarantee because of this name change, because of changing H to a K, he's going to go out there and, and kill it this year. The Yankees already have their first K on the season. How many times did we have to see that on Twitter this week? <laughs> so technically, Zach with CK is his legal name. So he tech I mean, I guess he changed it, but he didn't change it. Yeah, he put that in quotes, air quotes. So um, but I, I mean I yeah, like I, I have I have so many questions by this, and I'm fascinated. Why did he do this? Why did he why didn't he correct somebody when they spelled his name incorrectly? Now I will admit, yeah, I, there have been a few bowling I've been in a decent amount of bowling leagues and a decent amount of bowling matches in my life between high school and then bowling in the leagues outside of high school. Where they've and they've spelled my name wrong, mm. and I've and I've never said anything, including this one league where it was my last name is J Penick, so it's P E N I K. They spelled it P E N I C K. That's, and, that's innocent enough. And, but no, but then also during a high school bowling match, they spelled my name as Penile, P E N I L E, which is <laughs> which is. Borderline, borderline inappropriate. Like borderline, <laughs> borderline playoffs. <laughs> that is inappropriate. I was, I was on JV at the time, so I guess I deserved it. You know, that was like a, that was like a hazing first year on the bowling team hazing effort right there. But that totally was, man. I never, I never corrected it though. But I mean, I guess maybe if you're like a major league baseball, you kind of have to correct if somebody spells your first name wrong. Well, he didn't know. He thought his name was spelled that way. He just realized this year that it was his life's been a lie. No, he clearly knew that his legal name was spelled Z-A-C-K. No, no, he didn't. He said his life's a lie. He didn't know that. This is this is a a life changing experience. No, I honestly think like I love I'm a big fan of Shania Twain and Shania is not her real name. Her real name is Eileen. So Shania is her stage name. But then when, when she's with her friends and family, she's Eileen. So maybe this is an effort no, of a different name. This is still Zach. It's just misspelled. No, but then during during as a baseball player, he is Z-A-C-H. But with the family and the wife and the kids, he's Z-A-C-K. But why did he make the change now then? I, I don't know. Maybe because the Yankees have empowered him Wait. to be his true and authentic self. Wait, wait, wait. So, so you're saying that this whole time. He was with his family at Z A C K. Yeah, he's no, Zach with his. Right. He's Zach with his family, but then he was Zach as a major league no, baseball. No, that makes pitcher. absolutely no sense, Pa. No, it, exactly. He literally said in the tweet, hashtag my life's a lie or something like that. He thought it was spelled C H, but it no. came to his attention. I don't know who brought it to his attention, but it came to his attention that it was actually C K. No. It was. That's what he said. You can't just deny facts. I thought somebody spelled his name wrong early in his career, and then he just never corrected anybody. No. Hey, how do you, do we how do you like, guys, guys, guys? You know, you do. We do have the Googles, right? How do you just realize that your name is spelled 
another a different way. How do you just discover that? It happens. Oh my gosh. Renato, can you confirm or deny this? I, I, I'm looking at the Googles right now. Ken Rose, yeah, he tweeted. He's like, the Yankees burn is switching the last letter of his first name from H to K because Zach is indeed his legal name. But did he know that it and, was his legal name for all these years, or did he just find out? I think he just found out from his parents, I'm pretty sure. Oh, my God. What a, This is a wild circumstance. I have so many. I still have so many questions. So, hold on. Does you know this wild do? deserve a Y in there instead of an I? You, yes. you know what we need to do? You know what we need to do, Justin? Go to batting practice one day. Go up to him and be like, Zach, how'd you find out about your name being changed? This I will be how we break through as a podcast. Exactly. I'm going to ask. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to slide into Zach Britton's DMs and say, can I please interview to have an exclusive on how this happened? But you don't have even media credentials, man, do you? No. His DMs. So it's the DMs. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, if I'm a nice enough person. It's not about being nice, guy. Oh, you have, yes, you have to do something for him. You have to do oh. something for him. You know what I will do? I will love him forever. There you go. I will love Zach Britton forever. All right. Um, any, <laughs> any, uh, any other final thoughts on this whole wild situation? Can I be honest with you. Yes. Be uh, be be honest with us, Renata. It's it's just it's just a name change. I really don't get too shit. <gasps> wow. As long, as long as Zach Britton produces me, I don't care if his name is an H or K. It does not matter. To me. I told you that he's confident now. He's gonna produce. Don't be a party pooper, Renato. Have fun with the off-season stories. That's okay. Speaking of off-season stories, oh, oh. Speaking of off-season stories, there was some Machado and Harper news today. Ooh. So, reportedly, the Yankees have offered Manny Machado a $220 million contract for either seven or eight years. Bless you, Brett. The seven-year contract would be around $31 million per year. The eight-year contract would be around $27.5 million. Um, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper both feel that they are worth over $300 million. So that's a little bit off from the uh, projected uh, you know, salary, total salary. But, you know, I guess it's a ballpark offer, right? It's tough to really say because it's tough to really know what people have really offered. That is, that is true. Should we even believe that this report today is true? Well, the thing is, we know, though, supposedly, that the White Sox have offered, what, like 260, 270, somewhere around there? Uh, that was reported anyway. So if the Yankees only offered 220, is taking the most. So I, I doubt the Yankees have offered less than what the White Sox. I did. disagree. He's not taking a discount. I guarantee you he's, he's taking not. a discount. He's not. Not no I'm chance. Machado, Machado's gonna see how much Yankees could pull before going with the Yankees. He's not taking a fifty million dollar discount. That would be insane. I don't care what which team you want to play for. The Yankees get to two seventy, or two sixty, or whatever that neighborhood, and then if I'm telling you right now, he's gonna sign with the Yankees at like two thirty, two forty million. Not if, not if the White Sox are offering two seventy. He, he would rather take a three million dollar discount to win championships and go to the White Sox. No, he wouldn't. I guarantee you, he wouldn't. Guarantee? Yep. You want to make a bet right now? I'm not guaranteeing he won't sign with the Yankees. That's not the guarantee here. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying he won't take a discount. What do you think, Justin? I was just proud of myself that I didn't really react to this. Because uh, I reacted to. I reacted over over the course of the offseason, We actually did have a bleeding blue episode where we were just presuming that Manny Machado was already on the team. Thank you, Dan Clark, and thank you, Max Wildstein. But neither here nor there. Um. Wait, Dan Clark actually, I need to say this. Dan Clark followed the Bleeding Blue account and my personal Twitter account. He followed me on both accounts. That shows how much of a loser he is. Does he, <laughs> does, he, does he not know that I publicly bashed him both on this podcast and on Talking Yanks? Any publicity is good publicity. That's what he's thinking right there. I guess he must not know. I mean, obviously, I'm a nobody, but really, like, Anyway, um, I did I follow him back? I have no clue if I followed him back. You're Sorry, Dan. Sorry, Dan Clark, if you're listening to this and you're offended. But say, say thank you. No, I will not say thank that. you. <laughs> Renato said thank you for me. Yeah, but I, I have I have no reaction until any official news comes out. I will have no reaction. That's why I wanted you guys to talk about it. So thank you for talking about it. Now we can move on. You're welcome. Okay. You're welcome. Oh, Harper. Um, let's talk about Harper before we move on. Um, Harper. Brett, you summarized it very well with Giants news. They're both very intrigued, right? 
Yeah. And apparently the, uh, the giants have obviously met with Bryce Harper and, you know, Buster Posey, uh, you know, Harper brought up Buster Posey and likes him and whatnot. And they were all smoochy, smoochy and everything, according to reports from Heyman and whatnot. But the thing is, we heard the exact same stuff after the Phillies and Bryce Harper met. And that was like a month ago now. So what does it really mean? Nothing. Just that Harper wants money and they're trying to drive up the price as much as possible. Hey, you know that Buster Posey? I really like that guy. I really like that guy. He is over the hill. Anybody who still thinks he's an elite uh, catcher is a joke. Does it doesn't mean that you have to like him as a baseball player? Just like, hey, you know, but you know that Buster Posey guy seems like a good guy. The Giants aren't going anywhere. Why would Bryce Harper throw out his entire career with the Giants? I don't get it, and it's why it's not going to happen. If I had a little money, it's a rich man's world. Okay, um, so there were some proposed rule changes put forward by um by uh people in baseball this week, mm. and we're going to talk about some of them. Is there any? single one that's on the top of any of yours brain that you want to address first well i i want to address the uh, draft picks oh let's do Uh, it because yeah i mean if the team sucks for like a couple years you shouldn't be penalizing them for for sucking for a couple years and get a lower draft pick as a result that makes no sense yeah, so yeah. Ken, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic came out with an article this past week, or last week, that baseball is going to propose some rule changes. MLB and Players Union proposed these rules, and that we're going to see if they're going to be voted on the owners. They're going to be voted on by the owners, and we'll see if they're going to be approved. And then one of the first ones that was proposed is that, according to Rosenthal, if a team fails to reach a certain win total for X amount of years in a row— they will slide down in the draft order. So it will impact your draft order and where you're drafting. Now, you see, Brett, we were talking about this before the podcast. What's, yeah. strange, what's strange about this is that there are certain teams, like the Baltimore Orioles last year, who actually were trying to go out and, go out and you know, you think maybe win 80 games, 70 games, right? They were trying to be competitive, certainly. Yeah. You know, they're, they're trying to be 500. They're trying to be on the the brink of trying to do something, but then they go out and how many games did they win last year? They won 47 games last year. Yeah. So a a bit, a bit under what was expected. So that's not necessarily a team that's tanking, but now they are certainly now they are. Yeah. So, but this, so this is going to be interesting to see how this is voted on. But, but my point is by saying that is that it's not for one year. If you're bad for one year, this proposed rule won't take into account it take into effect it's if you suck for three four years something like that maybe maybe longer probably about that would be the idea for the rule yeah Yeah, i still think it's a ridiculous rule i i I don't this rule is far too complicated to go far yeah so i mean i guess you're looking at the astros for a few years there the Chicago Cubs, before they put their World Series winning roster together a few years before that, they won the World Series. So I guess you might as well call this the Astros and the Cubs rule um, and the Phillies rule. You know, how many years were the Phillies kind of bad? And they were well, the tanking. Phillies weren't dreadful and they and they weren't trying to lose on purpose. This rule is aimed at teams trying to lose on purpose. Yeah, but how can you tell losing on purpose? Well, the Orioles are clearly trying to lose on purpose this year. They have gutted their roster of all competent talent. I think they're basically going with minor league players. That's losing on purpose. The Marlins, too. Yeah, Marlins, too. All Mm -hmm. right. Anybody else? So, this is so you guys think this is too complicated. This is too, too, uh, I don't want, is it arbitrary the right word or too vague, too vague of a rule to really try? It's definitely arbitrary. Yeah. To try to, and minister and try to apply to Major League Baseball. Okay, Renato, what's the what's the next rule that you kind of want to you kind of want to touch upon? The next rule. What about the the pitch clock rule? Hmm. Had twenty seconds enough of pitch clock. All right. So what? Another rule that was proposed. Now they have been doing this in the minor leagues for quite a while now. So there are pitchers in our minor in every team's minor league system that has been trying to play with this pitch clock and pitch with this pitch clock. And there is a clock now, if you notice, if you're at the game. So yes, there is. Yes, there is. Yeah. And I've always wondered why. Like, why even have it there? Yeah. I, I think the clock is for, like, uh, between innings most of, most of the time. Yeah, it's between innings, certainly. 
But it is being used in between pitches, though. I have seen that. Maybe maybe they're just testing it out just to see like yeah. what's the reaction time. I think the fact that they're testing this out means it's going to happen. I think this one's likely and, to happen. And can, can, I'll be honest. I don't think it's going to be a big impact. Well, unless you have a guy like Pedro Baez who takes like oh, yeah. 30 years <laughs> between pitches. Right. Other than that, I wanted to select a few. I think this would yeah. be okay in baseball. Chapman takes a while, too, sometimes. Who? Chapman? Yeah. Well, we got to hurry yeah, up. Ch- Chapman takes about 28, 27 seconds per pitch. Wow. Well, he's got to hurry up. Well, he's getting old. He's got it. I mean, to, to ramp it up to 102 every time, he, it, it takes, you know, a little more break. Well, you don't need 102 every time to get you guys out. Well, it kind of does. I mean, you've seen him with, with lower uh, velocity. Eh, he's a little more hittable, huh? Yeah. I'm just saying. This is my proposal. What's your proposal? And this is with some some of the other rule proposals too. I think after the sixth inning, okay. the pitch clock the pitch clock goes off. <sighs> You're not really speeding up the game then. No, but right. I mean that's now that yeah now you see that's the thing, Brett, where Major League Baseball is trying to speed up the game and they're trying to make this a young person's game when. Mm-hmm. None of when basically I would say maybe everything besides the universal DH besides the universal DH, none of these rules are trying to get more people and a younger audience to watch major league baseball as they should be. Is that fair? Do you, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I I certainly agree that they, that they want to make it a younger man's game. Now, the one thing I do like what they're doing is that that there is more of an effort and there's going to be more of an emphasis on putting a microphone on players. Really? Yes. Well, I noticed they've been doing that with uh, the national broadcast. They actually like talk to players. Well, they, yeah, they'll, they'll talk to managers before innings, or you know how they did that thing with Mookie Betts during spring training? Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Or even during the All-Star game. I know they mm-hmm. talked to a few guys, and they had them. Now, obviously, that's a different atmosphere. That's a different vibe. But, you know, wouldn't it be awesome to have a microphone on Aaron Judge before the inning where he's throwing around a baseball with the kid or even just have a microphone on in the dugout, you know, CC Sabathia in the dugout during a Yankees game. Are you kidding me? Especially if an unedited fil- of an unedited version can be can be released for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I totally agree with this. Baseball needs to become more interactive, more fan friendly, and this is exactly the stuff you kind of start needed doing. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's not like with football because you have like plays and stuff that are like secret and you can't be exposing them. You're not coming up with plays in baseball. You're standing there. Yeah, but even but even with football, how many people have a microphone on them? They do, but obviously, you know, there's certain there's a certain secretive part of it where it needs to be off. Right. Right. But but still, the point is, is that even though football, you have 53 guys on the field. It's obviously still a very team-driven league, but there are superstars that people look for, and and it's instead of a team, you will watch football games because of certain players. Yeah, you watch baseball games because of certain players too. That's it's it's. I think it's almost even more of an individual-driven game. It's just that those individuals aren't as dynamic in terms of their personalities because there's not as much access to them. And I think this is what this is trying to improve trying to give these players personalities, you know, and, and get the fans to meet them basically. Yeah. And I basically, and I like how you mentioned the word access because when Mike Trout comes up to the plate and then Aaron judge comes up to the plate, you got to wait 45, 30 minutes sometimes, you know, between that time frame, you have to wait a decent amount of time until you see those guys up to bat again. And yeah. if they, and if there's nothing going on in the field for them to make any kind of play, you don't see them. So, yeah. This is a great way to, like you said, I like that word access. Um, and then when I was actually interviewing John Boy a while back, go back and listen to that episode because we had a really good conversation. Again, you want to talk about a timeless conversation that doesn't matter when you listen to it. I said that his overall vision for Talking Yanks as a brand is going to save the game of baseball. Not necessarily saying that the game and the way that it's played needs to be saving, like this 20 second pitch clock. Even the universal DH, where it does make sense, there is a part of the National League, and there is a strong argument for pitchers batting in the NL because that's their tradition and that's what they do. How the game of baseball needs saving and how the MLB needs saving as a brand is it needs to become more interactive, especially with its players. And you know that's what they're thinking. 
because you heard rumblings of MLB's displeasure over Mike Trout not being not acting like a superstar. Obviously, right. in a, in terms of ability, certainly he's the best player in the league. Uh, you know that that's pretty much a fact. But in terms of his personality, he doesn't like all the attention that comes with being the best player in the league. That comes with being the LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James is a dynamic personality that loves the attention, creates, you know, controversy. It talks all the time. Mike Trout does none of that. And baseball players don't do that overall. And I think that's what kind of is annoying. You know, the lack of the lack of, you know, some of that controversy really annoys some of the higher ups in the major league offices. But if you but if you do kind of change the culture, and I mentioned talking Yanks, and basically the whole basis of I feel like what we try to do here, what we try, but you know, you look at people who do it right, like the guys at Talking Yanks, and obviously it's different from players and then people who podcast and then people who analyze and then people who, you know, are fans. But fans interact with each other. And right now in baseball. They're between the players and between the fans. They're, they don't incentivize or encourage that kind of interaction. And I really think they should. That's why it's kind of refreshing to see, you know, I kind of want to bite my, may want to bite my tongue on this, but it's refreshing to see Clint Frazier <laughs> interact with fans on Twitter, even though very unYankee like Also, yeah. another guy who's really fun, who's a really fun to follow on Twitter, Sean Doolittle. Sean really, Doolittle. really, yeah, he has a really, really fun Twitter. He has some, he really does not hold back from giving some of his takes on the game of baseball. And it's fun. It, you know, it's it's interactive. And a lot of fans know who Sean Doolittle is, not necessarily because he's a pretty good lefty pitcher, but because he interacts with people on Twitter and he interacts with people. So people are going to probably be more likely to watch some of those games. He's still in the Nationals. Yep. Yeah, good for me. Good for me. Um, so yeah, he's still on the Nationals. Um, right. So let's let's go through some of these other rule changes. Twenty second pitch clock. Brett doesn't really think that it's going to have that much of an impact on speeding up the games. Renato, yeah. do you agree with that? I agree. I I, I agree. I think it's going to be like normal. Be honest with you. Yeah, because especially like if you go and the reason why I proposed if you are going to have a pitch clock, it's before the sixth inning because some of these relievers. When they get into trouble and when they get into pits, it's high anxiety, high pressure. And if there's a 20-second pitch clock, that moment goes by quicker. In a way, that, that's the moment that you want to amplify in baseball. Even though it could be exhausting, even though it could be ex- you know frustratingly long, those are the moments that you want to amplify where it's bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, two men out. And here's the pitch that can make or break the game. You kind of want to amplify that moment. I don't think you want to fast forward that moment and rush it. So that's just me. Although, you know what? You know, something just fascinating I just saw. What? Apparently, this is really cool. Apparently, th- there's an article that argues on SB Nation back in 2017 that time between pitches is actually a huge driving factor. By how much? Okay. And so there, there, there's a very uh, interesting graphic that's that shows a a game that has 20 hits in 13 runs, taking three hours and seven minutes. Mm-hmm. And in 1984, that same game, 21 hits, 13 runs, taking two hours, 30 minutes, and 12 seconds. Now I haven't read the whole all the details, but I think some of this has to do with walks. Keep going. I want to read this article, and maybe we can talk about this. Yeah, or maybe we can even – I mean, obviously, this is an ongoing conversation that can be touched upon anytime throughout spring training. We're going to find that spring training is going to be very, very long, and it's going to be longer than we expect. So this can even be something that we can come back to. But how many times do you see – especially guys on the Yankees. How many guys – how many times do you see guys on the Yankees swinging at the first pitch? Rarely ever, right? Yeah. Yeah, they want to take pitches, take pitches, take pitches. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's Aaron Boone's – Forte, grinding out at bats, seeing more pitches. Eventually, the more pitches that you see, you are going to get a better pitch to hit, one to drive out of the ballpark. So that's ultimately the goal. So, Brett, keep on reading that article, and if there's anything you want to circle upon, we can. 
Okay. Um, do we have any reaction to reducing mound visits? I'm for it. I mean, I, I think with, with, with the numbers already this year, I think that's not going to be a big impact as well. Uh, uh, man, a team like Gary Sanchez needs to start limiting his visits. No, and and they and the Yan- and they did. I mean, Gary Sanchez and the Yankees did very well with limiting the mound visits last year. So what they're basically proposing is that it would go from six. So it was six last year. It would go six to four in 2019. So that would be this year. And then four to three in 2020. So I, I, I don't mind it. Teams always adjust. Um, the Yankees adjusted, and so will everyone else. So, would it does it really make that much of a difference? No, but uh, just something just something to note. Biggest difference I'm seeing yeah. here, as I break it down, is the changes starts to occur going into the seventh inning, like six going to seventh inning. That's the biggest time that there's a difference between 2014 and 1984. You know, the, the bottom right. of the six is taking longer and onwards. Right, right. Because you know, obviously you're having more relief pitchers. Pitchers aren't going as long as they were. And, you know, you're bringing in multiple pitchers per inning. And relief pitchers have the tendency to take longer per pitch than starting pitchers. And I'm saying this kind of off my brain as opposed to actually having data. But I think this is pretty, it's a fair evaluation. And and again, we go back to the, uh, I'm not sure if we brought this up even yet, actually. The uh, the three batter minimum that rule that proposed rule yes yes let's get that's a great transition let's get right into it yeah I I think that's completely baloney all right so let's talk about what it is first um so it's talking about how now this is from innings one through nine that when a pitcher comes into the game they need to face at least three batters before there could be a pitching change on the mound. So Renato, you think it's complete baloney? Tell me why. I mean, if so, so for example, if it's bases loaded, right? The the pitcher started the inning, bases loaded two out. The close is completely sucked, right? You need someone to lock it down. You tell me you can't you can't change pitchers. You need to have a fatigue guy out there. It's baloney. It's a crit- critical moments. Sometimes you need to have the best pitchers out there for critical moments. And you you just can't have the the person that starts the inning have to complete the inning. I, I don't agree with that rule at all. I don't. Brett. You brought it up. Any thoughts? Um, it's interesting here. In, in an article from Rosenthal, they said the average percentage of relief appearances lasting less than three batters has been pretty steady around 15% actually for three decades. But it, it dipped to about 14.1% last year, you know, in 2018. Mm-hmm. So is this really an issue of, uh, of pace of play? You know, would this really improve? You know, on that is, th- is this really going to get the younger audience to start watching yeah. baseball games? And honestly, what also actually usually happens with these one batter or one maybe two batter, but let's just say one batter uh, pitchers. And these are the most exciting parts of the game. This right. is like it's bases loaded, and there's one or two outs. You, you copy me now, bro. You copy me now. There's a lefty coming up and you need a lefty coming in. So I agree with Renato. It's it, I, I, I don't think to change. Uh, I don't think changing this uh, rule would make the game better. It might make well, it worse. Well, actually, I just thought about this. So this is in contradiction to myself by saying that the three batter minimum is not an effort to want to get a younger audience to watch. Let's just say you have two righties to start an inning and then Bryce Harper comes on with Two men with um two men on, nobody out, right? Because let's just say the first two guys got on, Bryce Harper comes to the plate, and it's the bottom of the ninth inning. You have to face that third batter. So righty's on the mound. In a way, this is trying to invite more offense into the game because you're preventing teams from playing matchup, and the righty has to attack Bryce Harper in that situation. So it is trying to ultimately, I think, get a younger audience involved by trying to promote more offense, but to the extent, you know, cause, and also how would this, how would this actually realistically impact the Yankees? Like, like think about it. How many of their guys in their bullpen can just go after guys and doesn't matter if they're righties, lefties, if anybody's at the plate, Chad Green, Adam Adovino, Dylan Patances, Zach Britton, Jonathan Holder, or Walter Chapman, uh, they can all attack righties or lefties. Doesn't matter who you are. But also at the same time, if Dylan Patances goes out there 
and he's walking everybody and their mother, that's a problem. And you would want him to get out ASAP and not have to face three batters before you can get him out of there. So, eh, eh. Again, this is another rule change that you can say that it could be applicable from the first inning to the fifth inning. And then after that, so the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, you can just say you can put in as many pitchers as you want. There is no three batter minimum. Okay. It's an argument. I'm not saying I agree with it. Um, but well, uh, so what else what else should we touch upon? Because I do want to get to some Yankee lineup stuff. Oh, another important thing to address is the Yankees, the Cubs, and a few different teams have taken advantage of this over the years, where last year you saw with Glaber Torres, we kept him down in the minor leagues for two for two weeks before the season started. We brought him up, and then basically by bringing him up into the majors two weeks after the season started, he automatically gains another year of major league baseball service time. So the Yankees, so he will not be entering unrestricted free agency a year earlier. So we've, you know, that's been well documented. And then the Cubs did the same thing with Chris Bryant. There is a proposed rule change that says that that service time will be adjusted based off of some rookies. That if it, that if a rookie makes the all-star team, if he wins the World Series MVP, if he is a finalist for rookie of the year, or if he wins playoffs MVP, playoffs. it will count as one playoffs. He it will count as one year. What do we think of that? I, I like the rule. I, I I think these technicalities in terms of these super these superstar rookies kind of need to be worked out. This is sort of a kink that needs to be fixed. All right, all right. Um, next we're gonna fire through this. Petcoa this week came out with their projections on who's going to win the American League East and who's going to win all the divisions in baseballs. And we love predicting things that we can't predict. So, Renato, before we actually get to the real concrete numbers, I want you to have your yearly rant before any of the games start about what you think the Yankees are going to do. And I want you to predict the unpredictable because I know you love to do that. Go. So, Justin, as I said last year, I expected the Yankees to win how many games? An insane amount of games. You said over 100, maybe even over 105. And we got 100. I'm saying I wasn't that that far off. I, I we were, we didn't know how Aaron Boone was going to manage his team, so that's why I went a little more higher. If we knew how Aaron Boone was going to manage his team, I would have went probably close to 100. But with the additions the Yankees have done this year, I would not be surprised, ladies and gentlemen. If the New York Yankees get 110 wins. Whoa. 110 wins. You heard it first. So are you predicting that or you or you wouldn't be surprised? Mm. I'm predicting more 105. But I would not be surprised to get to 110. This Yankee team will be the, the cream of the crop in the Major League Baseball this year. My opinion. Well, we talked about this a few episodes ago where honestly and realistically expect Aaron Boone to change his managerial style and say... We're going to go out there and we're going to try to win every game as opposed to his initial introductory press conference that he had at the beginning of last year when he was hired saying, we're not going to necessarily go out to try and win every single baseball game. So even with that old Aaron, not old, even with this Aaron Boone approach of winning and not winning baseball games, you still think we're going to get to 100, 105 to 110 wins? Yes. Wow. I think with, with, with a team as talented as this Yankee team is, neither Aaron Boone could flow proof this that much. Wow. All right. I will I'm going to save that clip of you saying that. And the first Maybe. time you complained about Aaron you, Boone. I, this is my favorite team since the 2009 season, right now. But even without Machado or Harper, if they even want to come to the Yankees, I don't I don't care at this point. But I, I'm telling you, we have talent in the rotation, we have talent in the bullpen, and we have talent in this lineup. All right, so Brett, tell us uh, some Petcoa numbers and predictions, projections here, and then maybe just briefly say if they've been accurate in predicting the future in the past. So I, what, what I want to start with here is say that it's pronounced Pecota. Oh, it's Pecota. I said I said I said Petcoa again. Yes. Oh no! I keep on getting confused. This ain't, this ain't with, Pet Smart here, okay? I get. I keep on getting confused with uh, yeah, Petco, the pet store. Yeah. It's oh my Pecota. god. P e c o t a. 
P-E-C-O-T-A. Pacota. I'm terrible. I know nothing. I, you know, it, it's a little confusing. It's, it's a long thing. But anyway, let's get to the projections. Now, yes. these have been changing throughout the offseason as teams have been making moves. So the most recent projections, and they have the Yankees at 95 wins and 67 losses, 801 runs scored, 662 runs against, a 261 average, a 341 on base, a 452 slugging, and on and on and on. But those are your most important stats there. So clearly they're a little they're being a little more conservative and that well, makes sense. I mean, projections do tend to be a bit more conservative than what a fan would think optimistically. So if that's conservative, tell us the win totals for both the Rays and the Red Sox. The, oh, the, uh, the 2019 projected? Yeah, for the Rays and the Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox, 89. <laughs> and they're, they ha- they're in second. I- I'm, they must be really projecting the Red Sox to take some step ba- steps back. I mean, they did lose some bullpen pieces, the Red Sox did. Huge bullpen pieces, as a matter of fact. So they probably are looking at the Red Sox losing some games late um, in the 7th, uh, 8th, and ninth. I guess that's potentially part of that. They have, they have the Rays at 86 wins. That's impressive. And, and, I, and I think they would be a wild card in that, in that scenario. They might just be. They uh, Yeah, they'd be a wild card team. Yeah. Look at that. How accurate have they been in the past? I know they did they swing and miss on the Yankees in 2017, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of people uh, swung and miss on some preseason projections for the Yankees. But how did they do like last year projecting the AL East? But you're you're right about them swinging and missing in 2017. Uh, the Yankees finished 2017 with 91 wins, and they were projected with 81. Yeah. Obviously, nobody really, I mean, nobody would have argued with 81 to, to start that season. Right. But like you asked, uh, for the 2018 season, um, the the Pakoda projection was the Yankees at 97. All right. All right. So they were they were pretty on the ball. What did they project the Red Sox to get? 88. Yikes. Whoa. Okay. Man, maybe there's a maybe there's a Yankee bias. No Yankee bias stop. Well, I'm so saying maybe maybe a Yankee bias four, like a like for the Yankees. Oh, I know, but I, I'm saying the 2017 one didn't have the bias four. Right, 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 right. Well, I mean, I don't think any and nobody expected in 2017. Interesting oh, yeah. though. Why is Pakoda projecting fewer wins this year than they were last year? I mean, I I I think a lot of people are waiting for the bomb to drop on Chris sale that he did not look right. The second half of last year, obviously in the world series, he went nuts. So, but he's on the Red Sox, he went nuts on the Yankees. Oh, you're talking about the, Oh, why are they? So what, what was your initial question again? I'm sorry, Brett. My question was why are, why is Pakoda have two fewer wins here for the Yankees projected than they had in 2018? No, I don't know. Maybe because they're, very aware on how Aaron Boone likes to manage his games. Because honestly, if they do have a six-game lead on the Red Sox, you bet your ass Aaron Boone is going to like tank games. Repeat that. If the Yankees have like a six-game lead on the Red Sox entering in like the final month or even the final two weeks of the year, no, I'm saying if. If they have that, you bet your ass that we're going to be watching some very boring baseball games because – Aaron Boone is just gonna want to just throw guys out there and save and save energy. Right, I agree. I agree. Confirmation yeah. on this in terms of the 2018 projections. I just saw it because I was looking sort of at a third party uh, source here, looking at the 2018. I actually just found it on Baseball Prospectus's site. They did indeed project 97 wins for the Yankees in 2018. Wow. Okay. So, All right. very interesting. All right, so we'll be we'll be maybe giving out some more projections and prediction as the spring goes on. But I just wanted to touch upon that for a few. You want to um, hear the most maddening thing though from all the projections from in the American League anyway? What's the maddening thing? How are the Cleveland Indians going to win ninety seven games? How are they gonna with what with what team, bro? With, with what team? With what hitting? With what lineup? With what That's bullpen? How are they going to finish with more wins than the Yankees? That. On paper is impossible. If that impossible. happens, I will walk to Cleveland. 
Wait, wait, Justin, you gotta record that clip. We gotta save it. Gotta I'm save gonna, I'll, I'll clip that. <laughs> if, if, if the Cleveland Indians get greater than 97, we'll walk no. No, 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 I, you, no, you heard my, no, my original words were, if the Indians have a better record this year than the Yankees, I will walk to Cleveland. Okay, 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 okay. If the Indians have a better record than the Yankees, Brett will walk from his house all the way to Cleveland. I'm gonna join them, Brett, too. I'll okay. We'll have a we'll have a we'll have a bleeding blue pilgrimage. <laughs> Just straight up walking to Cleveland. I'm gonna start looking up trails right now. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to our live stream on the road to Cleveland. Walking from Pennsylvania and New Jersey all the way out to Cleveland, Ohio. So, without further ado, let's bleed blue. <laughs> all right, so we are running a little late, unfortunately. And um, honestly, I'm just getting all giddy and excited for this pilgrimage to Cleveland to happen. <laughs> Cleveland, so, you will watch the Browns. So we did tease this. We teased that we were going to talk about lineup and defensive alignment, but we lied. I am a liar. Boo me, Renato. Boo me. Boo! Yes, I'm, I'm a terrible guy. I'm a liar. I'm a terrible host, but... Spring training, like I said, it is going to be a lot longer than I feel all of we think. It always goes, it's like, oh yeah, spring training is going to go so quick. You always feel that every year. The regular season, it's so close, but spring training, it's going to lag on. And we will have plenty of time to talk about lineup and defensive configuration. Because really, even though you talk about this Yankee team being stacked, right? There are so many different combinations that you that you can go with the lineup and defensive alignment, defensive configuration. It's so fascinating to look at, especially when you think of the Yankees like to keep three guys on their bench, or even at times two guys on their bench, and they like to have the more bullpen arms, the better. So it's interesting to really view that. Here's, here's the question I will leave both of you with, and I want to hear and I want to hear this. Is Jacoby Ellsbury going to be on the opening day roster as a healthy 25-man Yankee? No. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Okay. I don't want to do it, but but you got I think a double no from me, by the way. If, if, he, if he's Brett, if he's healthy, he's gonna be a fourth outfielder. Over Frazier. He will never be healthy ever again. If if, if he's not healthy, then yes, it's gonna be Clint Frazier's job to lose. But if, if Ellsbury's healthy and has a twenty-five million dollar contract, then they'll be on the bench. I think Brian Cashman is gonna call a hit. On Jacoby Ellsbury, and he's going to break both of his legs. That actually is pretty likely. Brian Cashman is going to get his guys on the job and say, make sure that man, the second that he comes down to Tampa, hit a golf club over his head, knock him out, break his legs. You know what's more likely? What? That he gets traded before the season starts. Wow. No, I actually, no, I honestly don't think that is more. I honestly think Brian Cashman calling a hit on Jacoby Ellsbury is much more likely than him, than another baseball team wanting to take on that contract. Well, according to the Giants, won him apparently. Yeah, well, the Giants want everybody. It's <laughs> they want Ellsbury, they want Harper. The Giants give are them- a team that at one time actually had an idea on how to, how to baseball in general, just how to baseball. Oh my God. If, if this was to imagine having. Longoria on that team, and then Buster Posey, and then trading Jacoby Ellsbury, and then Andrew McCutcheon's back on the team. Dude, if, if this th- were 2010, this yeah. would be like, holy shit. The Tigers should trade Miguel Cabrera to the Giants just to make it really fun. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, just to make it like, wow, that this is the all-decade team right here, huh? Yeah, especially all early decade team. Yeah, yeah, especially especially for Ellsbury. All right, um, fellas, any kind of final thoughts? This is that now because we didn't talk about the lineup and stuff. This is actually somewhat of a short podcast, not a very short one, but decently short. Any kind of final thoughts? I got something. Oh, you got something. I got something. Who I think Luke Lloyd will be your Yankees' most valuable player of the year. Wow. Wow. Luke Voigt. <laughs> Save that you know for another I episode. Luke Voigt? Okay, you want to you know what I think of Luke Voigt? Okay, what? I think he'll be I I actually also think he'll be a most valuable player of the year. You know where though? Triple A. So who's gonna play first base then? Are you telling me the Yankees are sign Machado? Is that what you're telling me? What's happening? I'm not saying whether they are not <laughs> Greg Bird. 
Greg Bird <gasps> is going to be the no. man. You you you're talking blasphemous right now. Greg right, Bird no, we're not, is no. going to be the man. No, all right, we're not getting into this. Okay, so this 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 was a preview on the lineup talk and on some award projections. Okay, great. Um, There's Brett, a reason why they just kind of they kind of threw Voight in. The Cardinals did. Throw in, Brad, Brad, Brad. Don't don't worry. What what, what fans? We're gonna talk more about this in the next episode, right? So if you want more of the, the Brett and Ronaldo rant about Greg Bird, Luke Voigt, stay tuned for that. There you go, Brett. Any kind of final thoughts that doesn't involve Greg Bird and Luke Voigt? <laughs> I'm devoid of those. I'm devoid of those. All right. Oh. That was really fun. That was really funny. All right. We will see you all Wednesday for a New York football giants episode. I hope I'm also going to try to get some interviews going for spring training to get prepped for the baseball season, but people aren't getting at getting back to me and they're being jerks, but no, that's okay. No, no. We got to relax, but calm down. I know. I'm sorry. I call them jerks. I was really mean, right? I'm sorry to those mean. people. Very mean. That was very mean. Cheese. No, okay. They're meanies and jerks. Okay. Well, Brad, um, can, Brad, can, antagonizing. can one of you interview me for my own podcast? Absolutely. I got you. I got you. Okay. All right. So okay. we'll Renata, we'll plan that one day. Um, so um, this your ego has been more. so th- yeah really I I have such a huge ego. Um, this has been episode number thirty seven of Bleeding Blue, and I like the way Renato does his outros. So for your one of your three co-hosts, this is Justin Penick, and this is Renato Rodriguez. I feel like we should definitely predetermine the order with this, but this is also Brett Wiley. All right, and um. You know what you got to keep on doing, everybody? You got to keep on bleeding blue. Sayonara. Bleed blue. Sayonara. See ya. Grand slam. (laughs) All right. Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings is underway. Head over to our Warehouse Games channel to see all the action from Ball and Play. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours.